the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Matthew. Satan has positioned himself to constantly be working against the redemptive plan of God, the Messiah who is Jewish, and against the Jewish people and the Jewish nation. And yet, Jesus is saying, though the reality is there will be much persecution, they will go through being dispersed around the world, and, and uh, though, of course, the Lord knew about the Holocaust and, and the evil and the wickedness of the world, this race... These people will not pass off the face of the earth because God is going to be faithful to preserve them. Jesus Christ promised to save a remnant of the Jewish race. They will not pass off the face of the earth. Every generation, Satan prepares and raises his own leader because he too doesn't know the time or the hour of Jesus' second coming. He tries to thwart God's plans at all turns. But even through events such as the Holocaust, Pastor Gary reminds us that God spared the Jewish people. Satan isn't in charge of the end of the world. Jesus is. And as that time draws near, where do you stand with him? At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the desert, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible, circle that word, even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So the return of Christ is going to be visible, and he's going to say a little bit further down, it's going to be powerful. It's going to be visible and powerful. There will be no guesswork when people are on the earth during this time, and they will wonder, did I miss the Messiah? Because somebody says he's in the inner room. Somebody says he's got him in, you know, in their living room. And is he out in the field? Somebody said they saw him you know, playing ball in a field somewhere. Is the Messiah here? There will be no doubt, because the second coming of Christ will be visible Like lightning from heaven, Jesus says, and it will be powerful. Every eye will see. Everybody will know. Don't fall for the idea that that he's come. You'll know. Then verse 28. This is kind of a difficult verse. It just seems weird to us. It says, wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. (laughs) That's a pleasant little thing that uh, Jesus says in the middle of all this. It's probably a figure of speech, uh, somewhat like our figure of speech when we say where there's smoke, there's fire. Where you have dead carcasses, you have vultures that gather. And Jesus is basically probably just simply saying, you know, when you see all these things happen, it's like seeing smoke. You better know that there's something else that's going on more intense. Uh, These are the signs of the times. Verse 29, he says, immediately after the distress of those days, so like at the end of 
tribulation period, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Now, you can just keep your place there, but in Revelation 6, it says something almost identical. Revelation 6, 12 to 14. I watched, John writes, as he opened the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to the earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. So there John talks about the sun being blackened, and the whole moon turning blood red. And um, that's what it says here. The sun, back here in Matthew 24, says the sun was darkened. The moon will not give its light. And then Jesus says in verse 30, back here in Matthew 24, verse 30. At that time, the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of the sky with power. There's the other aspect. His return will be visible and powerful and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. So here's where Jesus says, this is number 12 on the list, that all these things lead up to his return to the earth. He speaks here about how his return will be powerful. He will appear in the sky and all the nations on earth will mourn. Now, why will all the nations on earth mourn? Why will they not rejoice? Because when Jesus comes again, he comes as this valiant, powerful king who will come to judge and he will come to make war with these nations that converge against Israel. That's what Armageddon is about. And the Lord Jesus will return. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 19 that he will return. The Lord will John says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, this is Revelation 19, 11, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen. See, these are the saints who come back with the Lord. These, these are the saints, the armies of heaven. These are not a reference to angels. These are the saints because it says that they were dressed in fine linen. And the Bible in Revelation says that the saints were given fine linen to wear, white and clean. And out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So when Jesus comes again, it will not be like his first coming. Meek and mild Jesus, gentle, riding on a donkey Jesus, Sunday school Jesus, okay? The kind of Jesus you tell your kids about in Sunday school, nice Jesus on a donkey. No, 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 this is going to be fury Jesus. This is going to be mad Jesus. This is going to be judge Jesus. Coming in, not Judge Judy, judge Jesus. Coming in on a white horse, sword in his mouth, and he's ready to smite the nations that have come against Israel. And so his second coming is going to be very different. And he says here, I read a moment ago, verse 31, Matthew 24, verse 31. He will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. Now, this is where some people read this verse and see, see, Christians go through the tribulation. Because we just read all this tribulation stuff, and now this is when 
after he comes again that Jesus gathers his elect. Well, please underline the word elect, and next to it in your Bibles, write the Jews. It is not a reference to Christians. It is a reference to the Jews. We know this because the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. And in Isaiah chapter 11, verse You can read 10 through 12 to get the context that it talks about the root of Jesse. It talks about the return of Christ in that day. But Isaiah 11, 12 says that he will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth or from the four winds or the four parts of the compass of the earth. It is a gathering of the Jews. Because when you look at the book of Zechariah, when Zechariah talks about the return of Christ, and we'll check him out in just a minute here, but he speaks about one of the things that's going to happen is that the eyes of the Jews who have still survived the tribulation, Zechariah says that of the Jews, two-thirds will perish, but a third will come through the tribulation period. And that third who sees Jesus, they will see him as Messiah. They will recognize him as the true and living Lord because the prophet Zechariah says that the Jews will ask him when they see him because he will still bear the marks of his crucifixion. John writes this in the book of Revelation. John says, I think it's in chapter 5, and I saw a lamb as if it had been slain. Jesus still bears the mark of his crucifixion in his glorified body. And when the Jews will see him, Zechariah says, they will ask, where did you receive these marks? And the Lord will respond, I received them at the house of my friends. And Zechariah says, then God will pour out a spirit of grace and supplication upon the Jewish people. And all those Jews who have survived the tribulation, all will believe in Messiah. And that's why Paul writes in Romans 11 that there's for now is a window of opportunity for the Gentiles to be saved. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in, and then all Israel will be saved. That is not a reference to the church. That is a reference to the Jewish people, and God is still not done with the Jewish people. And he is faithful to his promises. And you look at Romans 11 and Zechariah 13 and 14, and there's going to be this great revival among the Jewish people as a result of surviving the tribulation and seeing the Lord Jesus return. I know I'm just kind of dumping a lot of information on you, but I'll be even happier when it just all happens and then Jesus can do a whole lot better than what I'm doing here. But, um, but this, is, this is the good news and this is the hope of our, of our faith. Amen. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you will know, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. You know, you can, you can tell when a tree is ready to produce figs, you should be able to recognize some of the signs of the times. He says in verse 34, I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Well, what in the world does that mean? Because he's speaking to his disciples, and Jesus says, this generation will not pass away. And here again is where some people say, see, Jesus is just referring to first century Roman persecution, Nero's the Antichrist. No, the word generation in the Greek is genos, G-E-N-O-S, genos. And it can also translate race. This race will not pass away. Look, Throughout the centuries, the Jews have been persecuted and dispersed. But the Jewish race has never been annihilated. Try as much as Satan has to exterminate the Jewish people. You look at some of the most ancient people groups on the earth. You, you look at the, the people of China. They've been, they've been around for 
like 6,000 years, they can trace their heritage back. Uh, the, the people of India can trace their heritage back some 6,000 years as well. The Egyptians. But, but you look at the Chinese people, there's about 1.2 billion. There's about 1 billion Indians, people of India. But there's only about 13 million Jews. And they're as ancient as all those other people groups. A billion compared to 13 million. Because over the centuries, Satan has positioned himself to constantly be working against the redemptive plan of God, the Messiah who is Jewish, and against the Jewish people and the Jewish nation. And yet, Jesus is saying, though the reality is there will be much persecution, they will go through being dispersed around the world. And, and uh, though, of course, the Lord knew about the Holocaust and, and the evil and the wickedness of the world, this race... These people will not pass off the face of the earth because God is going to be faithful to preserve them and he will redeem them. Well, uh, verse 36. Now, Jesus is going to backtrack here a little bit and I'm going to tell you why we know this. This is not in chronological order. I'll tell you how we know, but let's read a little bit. Verse 36. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now check this out. He's going to tell us something about his second coming. He says in verse 38, For in the days before the flood, he compares it to the days of Noah, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now here's how we know that he backtracks a little bit. Because you cannot say about the tribulation period that it will be a time when people are just eating and drinking and marrying and having a good old time. So he's speaking here of something that precipitates his second coming. But what's important for us to understand, folks, is that the second coming of Christ has two parts. A lot of people don't understand this and when they don't connect the dots in Scripture. But you need to understand this. There are two aspects to the second coming of Christ. The first aspect is when the Bible says Jesus comes in the air, in the clouds, to gather the church. It's what we call the rapture. And it's spelled out for us in 1 Thessalonians 4, where Paul writes that when the Lord returns, there will be the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall be with the Lord forever. And that phrase there in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, where we will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, that phrase to be caught up is what we call the rapture. And the reason we call it that word is because when the Bible was translated in Latin, the 1 Thessalonians 4.17 was translated with the Latin word raptus for what our English phrase is, to be caught up. And that Latin word raptus is where we get our English word rapture. The Greek word is harpazo. It just means to be seized. It means to be taken. So for some of you who have never heard this, I know this sounds bizarre, but this is what the Bible teaches. There's going to be a generation of Christians who do not experience death. And Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Lo, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. There's going to be a generation that doesn't experience death, and there's going to be a trumpet call of God in the air, and believers who are living at that time that the trumpet call sounds will be physically snatched from the earth and taken up to heaven. 
so that we will escape the wrath that is coming upon the earth. And Paul writes about that too in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. He says, God does not want us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you read 1 Thessalonians 5, and it's all in the context of a second coming. So there's going to be a generation of Christians, people who are Christians at the time of this trumpet sound, who will go up to be with the Lord. Now, I don't know if the whole earth hears the trumpet or if only Christians hear the trumpet. I don't know. I don't care. I'm just going. Anybody else? Okay. It could be like a dog whistle for all I know. You know, you know, how you have those little dog whistles and only dogs can hear that certain pitch. Maybe the trumpet call is, you know, we're all like these Christian dogs. We just kind of hear that one little sound and we all just go. I don't, I don't really know all that's going to happen in that regard other than we're going, we're leaving. And if you don't believe what I'm saying, you can have my house. I won't be here and I won't need it and the, and the keys are hanging up inside and you can help yourself to the car and, and it'll be tragic for you to be left behind so you don't want to be left behind but life was full of guns and wars and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. That would be a great song, a tragic song, but it, it is a song. All right, I digress. Let's move on. So here we go. So, so we know that Jesus is speaking here about a time that is more subdued, calm, peaceful. It will be like the days of Noah. People are eating, drinking, and just having a good time, getting married. Okay, this is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 40, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. That's the rapture. Someone who's a believer, they're going to be taken. Somebody who's not a believer, they get left. They will go through the tribulation period. They can still get saved during the tribulation period. But that's what Jesus is talking about, that there will be this time when trumpet call of God sounds. One person who's a believer will go. His buddy stays behind. It's going to be this separation from the earth, physically taken. Verse 42, therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant, whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time, and he then begins to beat his fellow servant and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he is not aware of, and he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So in other words, Jesus says that you you better be ready and watching. And he uses this closing parable here. He says, you know, the servant who is ready will go. The servant who, you know, beats people and he, and he abuses his privileges and uh, he's, he's not honoring his master, uh, then that's a picture of someone who's not a believer. And what happens to him? There's going to be judgment. He will be cut to pieces, assign him a place with the hypocrites, or there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that is always an idiom and expression that refers to the torment of hell. There's going to be judgment. Now, Jesus is going to come again. First part, trumpet, Christians leave the earth. Whenever that happens. After then seven years of tribulation, the second part is Jesus comes back to the earth. And he brings the saints with him. So all your loved ones who have gone on before you that know Jesus, and they're in heaven now. And those who get raptured 
We are all kept safe in heaven. At the end of the tribulation period now, Jesus is going to come back to the earth. He'll defeat the nations, battle of Armageddon. And then the Bible says that he sets up his kingdom for a thousand years on the earth and he rules and reigns. And we who are Christians will rule and reign with him. And we will be assigned different responsibilities to help administrate the earth because there will still be survivors of the tribulation period who will be living out their lives. And Jesus returns to the earth, the saints with him. And this is what Zechariah tells us in chapter 14, that on that day the Lord will stand with his feet on the Mount of Olives, the very place from which he ascended, Acts tells us. Jesus returns to the Mount of Olives. And he will establish his throne. He will overthrow all these nations, Antichrist, false prophet, uh, Satan thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus establishes his kingdom on earth for a thousand years. We rule and reign with him. And then at the end of a thousand years, there's a new heaven and a new earth. That's what Revelation tells us. And we live with him forever. Now, the key is, folks, Jesus says, be watching and be ready. Those are the two things that he says. Be watching and be ready. There in Matthew 24. Now, you don't you don't go nuts, okay? Some people like, oh, Jesus is coming any time. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to, you know, sell all my possessions. I'm going to, you know, sit in Indian-style position and just, you know, uh, contemplate my navel and just imagine that he's going to come at any moment. Stop that. Listen, that's how the church at Thessalonica thought. And you look at the letter of, uh, that Paul writes to the Thessalonians, and he says, look, don't, because they were, they were living in constant expectancy of the return of Christ. And Paul says to them, listen, you, know, you don't know when the second coming of Christ is going to come, so don't quit your job. And that's where Paul says in Thessalonians, if a man does not work, he shall not eat. Don't just quit your jobs and sit around and get lazy and wait for the second coming. Jesus even said, occupy till I come. Live out your lives to, to the fullest while you are waiting in expectancy for the second coming of Christ. I don't know when he's going to come. I can tell you this, that when you look at biblical prophecy... And the reformation of the nation of Israel in 1948 and subsequent prophecies and previous prophecies, there's, let me make sure I say this carefully, there are still other prophecies that the Bible talks about, but no prophecy needful before the second coming of Christ. All prophecies leading up to the second coming of Jesus, at least in terms of the rapture part, the first part, have all been fulfilled. Now, there's still many more prophecies related to the tribulation and his second coming to the earth and the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign, all that. But there's not another single prophecy in the Bible that has to occur before that trumpet call. So the question is, are you ready? Are you ready? Say, I'm not sure I believe this. Well, listen, if, if you're right, I have nothing to lose. If I'm right, you have everything to lose. If the Bible is true and you say, I don't think I believe this stuff, you have everything to lose and nothing to gain if you just remain in your disbelief. But if you would be willing to, by faith, believe that these things that are revealed in the Bible are true, then you can be saved and you can be rescued and you don't have to go through the tribulation and you can be in heaven when you die or when God takes us from the earth, whichever happens first, and you can be with the Lord forever. And it is a choice that you must be willing to make. You can't be playing games with God. There are 300 prophecies related to the first coming of Jesus. There are a thousand prophecies related to the, more than a thousand, related to his second coming. Jesus fulfilled every single one of the 300 related to his first coming. You better believe he's on his way again. Are you ready? Do you know him as your savior? So that whenever that day is, you'll go to be with him forever and ever. Oh! 
Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Pastor Gary has been walking us through the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. This unique perspective on Jesus' life gives you a glimpse into the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and the true King above all kings. Jesus' greatest act while on earth was to give His life to pay for the sins of every person, and that includes you. If you're ready to step away from your mistakes and failures and embrace a new life, Jesus is ready for you. His grace is enough. You can come to Him no matter what your past looks like. Would you like someone to pray with you? Or do you have some more questions? We'd love to talk to you. Please connect with us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. We'd love to meet you, too. You're invited to join us this weekend at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg. We're meeting in person as well as online. And you can find all the information you need on our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. There, you can also hear additional messages from the series in Matthew or others that Pastor Gary has shared. Again, that website is cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know